Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <clears throat> We'd like to continue this evening in lecture number 10, in our series of lectures. في مصطلح الحديث from the book of Sheikh Suhaib Hassan Abdul Ghaffar Hafizahullah may Allah protect and preserve him entitled Al-Ma'rifa في علوم الحديث on introduction to the science of hadith in last week's lecture we covered those hadith under the subheading classification of hadith according to a hidden defect in the isnad or text of the hadith. And the Shaykh mentioned three categories of hadith, two of them are on the handout, Muttarib and Maqloob, and the third of them is the general title, Ma'lool, the hadith that has a hidden defect. The first of them, we said Muttarib Linguistically, it's from ibtirab, and it means disturbance, disturbance of a system or disorder, confusion, or shaking. Technically, muttarib, al-hadith, the hadith which is muttarib is that which has been reported, number one, in a contradictory, in contradictory narrations, yani, a, a report has come through different chains of narrators, and the wording of the hadith according to those different chains, are contradictory. Though it's the same incident, the same method, yani the same incident, but it has been reported with some difference in the wording that's contradictory. Not difference in the wording with the same meaning, but contradictory. So the first point of the Muttarib Hadith is that they are contradictory or differing, opposing narrations which do not allow for reconciliation. And you cannot make reconciliation between them. You cannot explain the difference and show that perhaps it appears to be different, but the meaning may be reconciled. Secondly, each narration is of equal strength. Yani, the chains of narration, the narrators in, in each of those chains, whether they are two or more, they are of equal strength, such that no one of them can be given preference over the others. So there are two points here. The first, that the report came through different chains of narrators. And they are differing or contradictory 
in the way it is reported while the chains of narration of equal strength we cannot make reconciliation between them nor can we give preference to one over the other since the narrators in each of those chains are equal both of these factors must be present for hadith to be considered mudtarif in the case where the contradiction or the difference between the varying reports can be reconciled in an acceptable manner it would no longer be considered mudtarif and each of the reports will be acted upon and if there is some way to explain or reconcile between them to show that it's not really uh, opposing one another if there is some way to show that then both reports will be accepted and both of them will be acted upon and this will not be considered mutarif in the case where one report is shown to be preferred over the other or the others if it's more than two it will no longer be considered as mutarif and the preferred narration arrajih the one that is preferred that is stronger in some way or another that one will be acted upon to the exclusion of the other which would be rejected yani if there is some way to show though they cannot be reconciled but there is some way to show that one is stronger than the other in that case we won't say it's mutarib because mutarib means that there is no way to give preference to one over the other they are equal in strength but if it can be shown that one of them is stronger then it's no longer considered mutarib the one that is stronger the rajih it is acted upon while the other the marjuh it is rejected al-itraab may occur in the isnad chain of narrators which occurs more often as well as in the metin the text or the wording which is left often and then we gave yani uh, example of ittiraab the hadith which we mentioned last week ittiraab in the isnad the hadith of abu bakr and ittiraab in the metin the hadith reported by at-tirmidhi concerning az-zakat uh the other category that we discussed maqloob maqloob linguistically it means reversed or turned upside down to turn something around out of its normal order and technically it means exchanging an expression for another in the isnad chain of narrators or in the metin the text of the hadith by dancing or putting back yani by for example changing the names the order of the names Ahmed ibn Muhammad by changing the order by putting Muhammad first when it should be second or putting Ahmed last when it should be first reversing the order of the names or reversing the order of expression in the text of the hadith this is what is called maqloob and also maqloob as we mentioned here it may also uh, refer to uh, when a text of one hadith is connected to the isnad from another hadith or the opposite yani maqloob al-isnad the name of the narrator and his father is reversed as we mentioned here or the name of the narrator is replaced by that of a completely different narrator change the isnad to a new one and in the hadith that's reported from Abu Hurairah they uh, change the name Abu Hurairah and added the name of a different companion this is also considered maqloob al-isnad as for the metin also the changing of the words or reversing of the order of the words or as i said giving the text of a hadith the isnad of another and giving its isnad also to a different text and this is what was done in the incident which we mentioned last week from the scholars of baghdad tested al imam al bukhari by placing by changing the isnad 
from one metal and putting it on a different one. Uh, as for the third category which we mentioned, Mu'al or Ma'alul, Al-Ma'alul, it is the hadith which after careful examination it has been discovered that there is a defect which is not apparent but it is hidden and difficult to detect but after careful examination and reviewing many reports or narrations of that hadith it was discovered that there is a defect in it and that defect affects the authenticity of the hadith its acceptability and if there should be a defect that's not apparent not like the hadith is mursal a tabi'i narrates directly from the prophet sallallahu well, we, we know that there's a defect, there's a break in the chain that's clear, that's obvious, that's apparent. But it should be a hidden defect that's not easily detectable. And also that defect should be a defect that causes the hadith to be rejected. It affects the authenticity of the hadith. Otherwise, if there's a defect in the hadith but it doesn't cause the hadith to be rejected, it doesn't affect the authenticity of the hadith, this doesn't come under mu'allal wa ma'alul we also said that the way that the defect in the hadith which is ma'alul is detected there are a number of ways from amongst them is when a narrator is alone in narrating hadith but no one else has narrated this might cause the scholars of hadith to examine it more carefully and discover that actually there is some defect here, that it is not a true narration. Or a narrator contradicts or opposes or differs, narrates something different than others who narrated that same hadith, which would require the scholars to examine it more carefully and they might detect that that one who opposed the others may have been less reliable and therefore his contradiction or his opposition or difference from the others would be rejected though he might be normally a reliable reporter such as in the hadith Shaz a reliable reporter who normally we accept his hadith but in this case on some rare occasion he may have made an error though he was normally of accurate and precise memory but every human being is subject to make mistakes so on some occasion he may have made an error and normally if we looked at the hadith we, we would say that he is a narrator of good character and precise and accurate in his memory therefore we would accept his hadith so it's not obvious like the narrator who has a weak memory it's known that he is a narrator of weak memory or he was known to be a liar that's not a hidden defect that's an obvious apparent defect but the narrator who is normally whose narration is normally accepted but in this case after examination we find that he is opposed or he differs with those who are more reliable than him then this is what is called shaz so when a narrator contradicts or opposes or differs with others it may also be a point for which the scholars would take more close examination of the hadith and discover that there is a defect in it uh, the way that also one of the or, or the important principle related to discovering defects in hadith is that the scholars of hadith said all of the narrations, all of the chains of narration have to be collected together and scrutinized and examined and weighed and if there 
is any difference between them than the narrators. The chains of narrators of each one would be examined to see which of them are stronger, which of them are more accurate and precise in narrating. And in that case, they would make the judgment that those who are stronger, their report would be preferred over those who are weaker. And this is by collecting all of the narrations about a particular hadith. Also, we said that the illa or the hidden defect, it may occur in the isnad or it may occur in the text, the metin of the hadith. Okay, this is basically what we covered last week. Tonight, we like to take the last category, which Sheikh Suhaib mentions concerning the various subdivisions for broad categories which may be examined for the classification of hadith. The last category that he mentions is number seven. Classification of hadith according to the reliability and memory of the reporters. And if we look at the reliability or the trustworthiness or the character or the accuracy or precision in narrating of the reporters in an isnad, based on the classification of those reporters, whether they are strong or weak or acceptable or rejected or whatever, this is one of the means of classifying hadith. When we look at those narratives, we may classify the hadith based on the level of accuracy and trustworthiness of those narratives as being sahih, sound or authentic, or hasan, good or acceptable, or da'if, weak and rejected, or as some of the scholars also added to the list of the classifications of hadith, mawdu'a, fabricated or forged, uh, but some scholars said that the classification, those reports which are classified as mawdu'a are not really considered hadith. They are fabrications or lies against the Prophet and they are not, they shouldn't be classified as hadith. In any case, some of the scholars classified them under the classification of weak hadith, the weakest type of hadith, and some said no, it shouldn't even be classified as a hadith. In any case, when we look at the narrators, we will determine that a report falls into one of these categories of Sahih or Hassan or Da'if or Mawdu'a. And this classification depends critically on this factor. Here, Sheikh Suhaid says, among the early traditionists, mostly of the first two centuries, the hadith were classified into two categories only, Sahih and Da'if. And most of the early scholars classified hadith according to its acceptability or the lack of it as Sahih or Da'if. Sahih are those which are accepted. Everything that's accepted comes under Sahih and everything that's rejected comes under Da'if. Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi was to be the first to distinguish Hassan from Da'if. In fact, actually some of the scholars before Al-Tirmidhi used the term Hassan. But it was more widely used by Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi. He was the first one who made it famous as a separate classification. And that's why it is often mentioned that he was the first one to distinguish Hassan from Da'if. While in fact, many of the earlier scholars used this classification of Hassan before Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi. This is why traditionists and jurists Yani, the fact that the hadith was classified into two categories, sahih or da'if, only into these categories by most of the scholars until the time of At-Tirmidhi, 
This is why the traditionists, or Ahl Hadith, the scholars of Hadith, the Muhaddithun, and the jurists, the scholars of Fiqh, the Fuqaha, such as Imam Ahmed, who seem to argue on the basis of Gaif, a Hadith sometimes were in fact basing their argument on the Hadith which were later to be known as Hassan. Yani, Imam Ahmed and Imam Abu Dawood and other scholars, some of them used what was classified at that time as Da'if Hadith. They used it in their argument as proofs in matters of the deen. Uh, but actually the Hadith which they were using, which, which came under the classification of Da'if at that time, were what later came to be known as Hassan. Yani the category that was in between Sahih and Da'if. It was the lowest type of Sahih or the strongest type of Da'if. And some of the scholars later, such as Imam Al-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, began to make it as a separate classification, to take it out of the Da'if and put it in a separate class, classification called Hassan. So those hadith which later became to know, be known as Hassan, and they were acceptable as proofs, were what Imam Ahmed and Imam Abu Dawood and others used as proofs. They were what they used as proofs. Not the Da'if hadith that has severe, severe defect in it, but those Da'if hadith which were at that time classified as Da'if, but they were the highest or the strongest form of Da'if, which today we call them Hassan. And it is an acceptable proof. So it is important to make a note here that the use of Da'if hadith by the scholars such as Imam Ahmed, it was uh, only because hadith, because those hadith were not, didn't reach the standard of Sahih. So at that time, if it didn't reach the standard of Sahih, it fell under the category of Da'if. But in fact, really, in, in fact, really, those hadith, though they were weaker than Sahih, they were still acceptable proofs. And later, they became known as Hassan. Uh, this is the introduction of what the Shaykh says. Then he began to explain the categories, these four categories. We now examine in more detail these four important classes of a hadith. The first of them is a sahih and Imam al-Shafi'i states the following requirement in order for hadith which is not mutawatir to be acceptable. Yani, Imam al-Shafi'i begins to define a hadith which is acceptable as a proof in the deen if it is from the classification of hadith which are ahad, not mutawatir. Okay, if it's mutawatir, then it's accepted as a proof. But the hadith ahad, we have to examine it. We have to examine the chains to see of what level it belongs. Does it belong to Sahih or Hassan or Da'if or whatever? If it's mutawatir, the scholars accept it. Hadith mutawatir is a proof in the deen without examining the chains of its nerves. There's no need to examine the chains of narrative. But when it is ahad, that's when we look at the chain and classify it as Sahih, Hassan or Da'if. So Ashafi talks about the hadith which is acceptable from the classification hadith of hadith ahad, those which are not mutawatir. And he gives a long, lengthy definition, and in the handout, we give a definition, the definition of of al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Asqalari, which is short and brief. But in any case, al-Shafi'i rahimahullah says, each reporter should be trustworthy in his religion. That means he should be adil. It means that he should be a person of good character, who is known to perform his prayers and fast in Ramadan, not known to be a liar or to engage in immorality such as drinking or fornication or other such things. person who is trustworthy in his religion. The, the two main important characteristics to examine in a, in a narrator 
is his character and his memory. So here's the first one he mentions. The reporter should be trustworthy in his religion, in his character. He should be known to be truthful in his narrating. Yani, not to be a liar. It's also part of his character. To understand what he narrates. And this is understanding what he narrates is in reference to reporting hadith by memory. Yani, there are two ways to report hadith. To, to report it exactly, the exact wording of it, or to narrate by memory. Bilmana. Narrating by memory, uh, not by memory, by meaning. It means that the person narrates the general meaning of the hadith without mentioning the exact wording. But in order, those scholars who allowed this, who said that it's permissible to narrate by meaning, by meaning, they said that the person must be able to thoroughly and completely understand the meaning of the hadith. Otherwise, if they don't have a perfect understanding of the words that are used in the hadith, perhaps they may use another word which they think has the same meaning, but in fact means the meaning of the hadith. In general, hadith should be narrated by their love, by the exact wording that was used by the Prophet ﷺ, although some scholars with conditions allowed the hadith to be reported by meaning. But here, Al-Imam al-Shafi mentions that he understands what he narrates. And if he's narrating by meaning, he should be definitely sure that he understands. And even if he uses another word, he should have the exact same meaning. To know how a different expression can alter the meaning. And he should understand what he narrates and he should know how a different expression can alter the meaning. If he exchanges one word for another, he should be sure that it doesn't change the meaning of what the Prophet said. And report the wording of the hadith verbatim, not only its meaning. Yani, this is also a condition. Imam Shafi says that the person should report the hadith verbatim, its exact wording, not only its meaning. This because if he does not know how a different expression can change the whole meaning, he will not know if he has changed what is lawful into what is prohibited. And so here he's talking about two things, narrating, beloved, the exact wording, and narrating, bilma'na, the general meaning. The basic rule is to narrate the exact expression. But if somebody narrates the meaning, it should be while they know, they understand the meaning, and they know the Arabic language well enough to know the difference between two words, and be sure that he doesn't use a word that changes the meaning. Hence, if he reports the hadith according to its wording, and according to its wording, uh, no change of meaning will be found at all. Moreover, he should be Another condition, he says, he should be a good memorizer. If he happens to report from his memory, or a good preserver of his writing, if he happens to report from, from them, yani meaning from his writings. Here also, he's talking about the other aspect that needs to be looked at in the narrator of hadith. One, we said, was his character, his religion. The other is his accuracy, or preciseness uh, of memory in reporting what he has heard. Here he talks about this, it's called a dub, a dub means the preciseness or accuracy in reporting what one has heard. And he mentions two things here. One, the one who narrates from his memory, and the other who narrates from his writing. There are two ways, there are two types of bab or accuracy. One of them is that the person has a good memory, such that whatever they hear, they memorize it and they preserve it and they pass it on to others exactly as they heard it. The other way, the person may not have a good memory, but they write down what their sheikh said to them, and they protect their books, so that nobody alters anything in their book, so that when they narrate to others by reading from their book, it will be exactly as they heard it from their sheikh. Both of these are acceptable. 
that the person memorized in their heart accurately or that they write it down accurately and preserve their writings. So here he says, he should be a good memorizer if he happens to report from his memory or a good preserver of his writings if he happens to report it from his writings. He should agree with the narrations of the Hufad, leading authorities in Hadith, if he reports something which they do also. And this is another condition, Mukhalifa, that he shouldn't oppose or contradict or differ from the great narrators, the great memorizers of Hadith, when he narrates something that some of the well-known scholars of Hadith narrated, that he should narrate it the same way that they narrated. There is a difference between the way he reports it and the way they report it, then if he is a good reporter who is contradicted by someone who is more reliable than him, this is shad. And if he's a weak reporter who is contradicted or opposed by someone who is stronger than him, then this is munkar. And we took those categories two weeks ago. So this is another point here, that when he narrates something that the leading authorities and hadith narrate the same text, then he should be in agreement. The way he narrates it should be in agreement with what they narrate and not a difference or in contradiction or in conflict with what they narrate. There shouldn't be any contradiction or conflict. He should not be a mudallis who narrates from someone he met something he did not hear. Yani, we talked about a tadlis also uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago and he should not be a mudallis, meaning Imam Shafi rahimahullah is saying that a hadith, in order for it to be sahih, it shouldn't be, yani, it shouldn't have, uh, uh, the person who narrates it shouldn't be mudallis. That means that, that a person narrates a hadith from a shaykh who they met or they heard hadith from, but that particular hadith they didn't hear from him. They heard it from a third party who heard it from the shaykh, and they dropped the third party and narrated as though they heard it directly from the sheikh. This is tadlis. This is tadlis. And we said tadlis is of two types. In any case, the important thing here is the shafi is negating. Is negating tadlis. That in order for hadith to be sahih, there shouldn't be <coughs> the presence of tadlis. One who narrates from someone he met or someone that he heard hadith from, but what he narrates from that person is a hadith or a report which he didn't hear from him directly. <coughs> Nor should he report from the Prophet ﷺ, contrary to what reliable sources have reported from him. Yani, he shouldn't be, uh, <coughs> he shouldn't report something that's contradictory or different or opposed to what the well-known reliable scholars have reported. In addition, the one who is above him in the Isnad should be of the same quality and so on until the Hadith goes back uninterrupted to the Prophet ﷺ or any authority below him, below the Prophet ﷺ. That means, in addition to these stipulations or conditions that Imam Shafi said about this reporter in order for the hadith to be sahih, likewise, the one who is above him that he heard from, and the one who is above that one that he heard from, to the end of the chain until it reaches the Prophet or the Sahabi or whoever the statement is attributed to, they should be also fulfilling these same conditions. They should be equal to him in fulfilling these conditions. The one who is above him should be of the same quality. And every one of them to the end of the chain, until the chain reaches back to the Prophet ﷺ, all of these people fulfilling these qualifications, and it be uninterrupted, and with no break in the chain. There shouldn't be any missing link. This is Al-Imam al-Shafi's 
definition of a sahih. It's a very difficult definition, but alhamdulillah there are some of the scholars came with more simple definitions. Al-Imam Ibn Salah, however, defines a sahih hadith more precisely by saying, a sahih hadith is the one which has a continuous isnad, and a muttasal al-sanad, ittisal al-sanad, it has no break or no missing link, made up of reporters of trustworthy memory, and they have good accuracy and precise in their memory from similar authorities and, and everyone in the chain and he should be likewise and he, of trustworthy memory and which is found to be free from any irregularities in the text or defects in the Ismail Yani, actually it should read that two other conditions for the hadith to be sahih in addition to have an unbroken chain continuous Ismail and the reporters of trustworthy memory and of character, of good character. Those are three uh, conditions. And the last two conditions, there shouldn't be any irregularities, meaning it shouldn't be shaz. There shouldn't be something reported in the text or in the isnad, or in the isnad, that is opposed by those who narrated the same hadith uh, but who are more reliable. Irregularities means shad, means that the person who is normally reliable in narrating is opposed or differed or contradicted by somebody who is more reliable. So this also has to be negated in order for the hadith to be sahih, there shouldn't be any shudur, shouldn't be shad. And likewise, there shouldn't be any defect in the isnad or in the metan. In the isnad as well as the metan, there shouldn't be any defect, there shouldn't be any illa any hidden defect that affects the authenticity of the hadith. This, this definition is closer to the definition that we gave in the handout, which is the definition of Al-Hafiz bin Hadi al-Asqalani, rahimahullah. It contains five conditions. Here he mentions four of them. Well, the fifth one perhaps is understood. Trustworthy memory. Now the person has a good memory as well as the person who is trustworthy of good character. By the above definition, no room is left for any weak hadith. Whether, for example, it is Munqati'ah, Mu'adal, Mubtarib, Maqloob, Shaz, Munkar, Ma'alul, or contains a Mudallis. The definition also excludes Hassan, a hadith, as will be discussed under that heading. Then here he's saying that this definition excludes breaks in the chain, such as Munqati'ah, which is a break anywhere in the chain, Mu'adal, which means that there are two consecutive missing links in the chain. Mu'adal, we said, when we discussed uh, breaks in the chain, it means that there are two consecutive breaks in the chain. Mutarib, uh, we said that the hadith has been reported in a conflicting way by different reporters who are equal in strength and there's no way to reconcile. So also this is negated from here. And maqloob, yeah, and he's turning the expression or the chain upside down or out of its place, Shaz, a reliable narrator who was contradicted by someone else because he said there shouldn't be any irregularities and Munkar which Munkar means a weak narrator who is opposed or differed by someone who is strong and sometimes it may refer to the text of the hadith itself uh, which is contradictory to that which is known in the deen either in the Quran or in authentic sunnah or basic principles of Islam or as some of the scholars said any weak reporter who narrates hadith, his hadith is called munkar. All of this is also <coughs> rejected or excluded by the conditions that Ibn Salah mentions here, such as trustworthy 
memory irregularities, hidden defects, and continuous isnad. And likewise, ma'alul, because he said specifically, he mentioned that there shouldn't be any defects or hidden defects, which yani, could be in the isnad as well as in the metin. Then he said, not only are all these types of hadith excluded, munqatiyah, mu'adal, muttarib, maqlub, shad, munkar, ma'lub, but also this definition excludes the hasan hadith. Because the hadith hasan, as when we get to it, we will see that the hadith hasan, its narrators, though it fulfills all the other conditions of sahih, but its narrators do not have the high level of, uh, of accuracy and precision, uh, of memory as do the narratives of the hadith which is sahih. So here in this definition it is required that, that the reporter should have any precision, accuracy, a high degree of precision, accuracy and memory whereas the hadith hasan, the narratives may have a lesser degree of accuracy and precision though generally their memories are good. Of all the collections of hadith, Al-Bukhari and Muslim were greatly admired because of their tireless attempts to collect Sahih Hadith only. Yani Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah was the first of the scholars of Hadith to single out and separate the Hadith which are Sahih from other Hadith, whether Hassan or Da'if or otherwise, and make his collection al-Jami al-Sahih which only contains Sahih Hadith. He was the first one, he started the Sahih movement, and Imam Muslim was living in the same time, uh, and Imam Muslim later became a student of al-Bukhari uh, and they were yani, the forerunners of the Sahih movement or of those scholars who began to collect uh, all of the Sahih or only Sahih Hadith. It is generally understood that the more trustworthy and of good memory the reporters, the more authentic the Hadith. Yani, the more uh, high level of character of the narrator and accuracy in memory of the narrator, the more authentic the hadith would be considered. And likewise the opposite. A person of lesser character or lesser memory, the hadith would be considered as less authentic. It would go down to the level of Hassan or less than that, Daif and so on. The chain of narrators, the Isnad, as Shafi'i, from Malik, from Nafi'i, from Abdullah ibn Umar, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is called a golden it's mad because of its renowned reporters. Yani al Shafi is an Imam, Al Malik, a great Imam, and Nafi, one of the greatest of the scholars of the Tabi'een, and even Umar, one of the greatest of the scholars of Sahaba from the Prophet. This is considered the golden chain of narratives. And likewise, there's also the chain of Kazab, those liars, chain of liars, the opposite, the worst kind of chain of narratives. Some traditionists prefer Sahih al-Bukhari to Sahih Muslim because al-Bukhari always looked for those reporters who had either accompanied or met each other even if only once in their lifetime. On the other hand, Muslim would accept a reporter who is simply found to be a contemporary to his immediate authority in reporting. And this is an important point here. One of the reasons why the scholars considered the Sahih of al-Bukhari superior to the Sahih of Muslim though both of them are of the highest degree of authenticity, is because of one condition that Imam Bukhari made for his Sahih, where he differed from Imam Muslim, and that is that Al-Bukhari made as a condition that every narrator who reported from another, from his Shaykh, 
there should be proof that he accompanied him or that he met him in order for his hadith to be considered sahih. Was Alima Muslim sufficed that the one who narrated the hadith lived in the same time period as the one who he is reporting from? If he was his contemporary, he lived in the same time, though we don't know for sure, we cannot confirm that he met him or accompanied him on any occasion, but he lived in the same time period and there was the possibility that he could have met him, Alima Muslim sufficed with it. He said that as long as he is a reliable, trustworthy person, strong in his deen, and he lived in the same time period as the one who he reports from, and it was possible for him to have met him, then if he says he heard from him, we accept it from him. He sufficed with this condition, was Aliman Bukhari made his condition more stringent. He said, no, it's not sufficient that he is a contemporary, that he lived in the same time, and it was possible that he could have met him, but there should be proof that he in fact did meet him. And he did accompany him before we accept his hadith as being sahih. For this reason, most of the scholars, the majority of scholars accepted that the sahih of Bukhari is a little stronger than the sahih of Muslim. The following grading is given for sahih a hadith only. There are seven classifications of hadith here, or seven grades or levels of hadith which are classified as sahih. The first of them are those hadiths which were transmitted by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And this is normally referred to as Muttafaqun Alayh. Muttafaqun Alayh. That is, that which is agreed upon as being sahih and collected by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim. This is the strongest of the authentic hadith. A hadith that is, that has been classified and collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim both, in both of their books. This is Muttafaqun Alayh and this is the strongest of the authentic hadith. It is the highest level. The second level is those which are transmitted by Al-Bukhari only. I mean, Muslim didn't collect it in his book, but Bukhari collected it. It's the second level. Now, Muttafaqun I don't know, but in any case, it's uh, the number of hadith is a few thousand that are agreed upon. The book of Marjan, which is those hadith which are agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, contain maybe two or three thousand hadith, something like this, which are agreed upon by both of them. Inshallah, we can go back and check and see the actual number of those hadith. But there are a few thousand hadith which are agreed upon by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So the second level are those which have not been collected by Al-Imam Muslim, but collected only by Al-Bukhari. The third level are those which are collected only by Muslim. Bukhari didn't narrate them in his book. This is the third level. The third strongest of hadith is that which has been collected by Muslim only. And then the fourth, it is those hadith which agree with the requirements of both Al-Bukhari and Muslim, but not collected by either of them. Yani neither Bukhari or Muslim collected them, but they are in agreement with the conditions that Al-Bukhari and Muslim seem to have followed. Yani Bukhari and Muslim didn't, they didn't state our conditions are A, B and C. But the scholars in looking at the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim said, by examining the people that they narrated from and the way they narrated from them, they determined that this was their conditions. So, if somebody collected a hadith which is in agreement with the people that Al-Bukhari and Muslim reported from, in the way that they reported from them, in the same order, from the same type, same people, then this is the fourth category. Those hadith which agree with the requirements of Al-Bukhari and Muslim, though neither of them collected the hadith. Uh, the fifth of them is that which agrees with the requirements of Al-Bukhari only, and the sixth of them that which 
agrees with the requirements of Muslim only and the last of them is those, those declared sahih by other traditions yani those hadith which are not collected by Bukhari nor Muslim nor fulfill the conditions of Bukhari nor Muslim but other scholars other scholars declared those hadith to be sahih according to a lesser a lesser uh, grade yani, or a less stringent uh, criterion some other scholars classified hadith also as being sahih though their criterion was not as strong as Al-Bukhari and Muslim and from amongst them is Imam Ibn Khuzaymah the strongest of them in his book the Sahih Ibn Khuzaymah and after him Imam Ibn Hibban and his Sahih the Sahih Ibn Hibban and after him Al-Hakam in his book the Mustadrak which the Mustadrak is a book which Imam Al-Hakam Rahimahumullah said that in that book he collected those hadith which met the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim but they didn't collect them so he said these are hadith that they should have collected according to their conditions but they didn't so he collected them this is called Al-Mustadrak uh, this is Naam this is and what the Shaykh mentions concerning the Sahih before going on to Hakim in order to clarify and to add some points to what we have mentioned so far if you look at the handout you will see that linguistically we said Sahih Hadith is the opposite linguistically it means the opposite of sick Sahih is the opposite of clean the opposite of sick or defective it means healthy or sound and actually it is originally referring to the health of the body and it has been used also yani secondly it has been used in reference to other things such as the health or soundness of hadith but the original meaning it means sahih it means the person who is well who is healthy you say he is sahih sahih al-jism with the original real meaning of sahih but it also is used for other things and for amongst those things it has been used to refer to the healthiness or the soundness of hadith technically that which has been reported with five conditions number one a connected chain of narratives Iqtisal al-Sanad Through narratives from the beginning of the chain until the end of it who are known to be two characteristics narratives from the beginning to the end who are known to be trustworthy and of good character this is called Adl a narrator who is Adl who is trustworthy and of good character and number three accurate and precise of memory Babit the narrator is called Babit who is accurate and precise in his memory and being free of, the fourth condition being free of, contradicting those who are more reliable. Which is, if he, is, if he contradicts those who are more reliable, the hadith is not sahih, it is shaz. And the fifth condition, and free of any hidden defect. Yani illa qadiha. A hidden defect which affects the authenticity of the hadith. Yani qadiha means it affects the authenticity of the hadith. Though it appears to be free of any defect. Yani, it should be free from any hidden defect though the hadith appears on the surface to be sahih we have to examine it carefully to see if there is a hidden defect so the hadith that is free from any hidden defect it doesn't have any illa qadiha and it is free from any contradiction of those who are more reliable it doesn't have shuzur or shaz and the narrators are both adil and babit yani of good character and precise and accurate in memory and it has a complete chain this is the technical meaning of the hadith sahih Note, number one, 
If any one of these conditions is not fulfilled, if any one of them is missing, the hadith will not be considered sahih. Depending on the extent to which these conditions are not fulfilled, the hadith may be classified as hasan, good or acceptable, da'if, weak or rejected, etc. Yani, if any of these conditions to some extent or another are missing, then that hadith would fall down from the level of sahih to hasan to da'if and so on. The number two, the important requirement for a connected chain is that every narrator has heard directly, not through a third party, from the shaykh whom he is reporting from. Yani, in order for the chain to be complete, it's tifal, it's senate, connected, complete chain, it means that every narrator should have heard directly from the shaykh who he reports from. If he heard through somebody else heard from that shaykh, and he drops him, then that means this, the chain is broken, not complete. Number three, the following are the qualifications of a reporter who is trustworthy, of good character. I mean, the, the reporter who is adil, who is adil, adil. It means, we use the word trustworthy or of good character, but really the meaning of adil, it means it has five points of consideration. In order for a, a narrator to be considered trustworthy or of good character, he has to have five, they have to, we have to look at five considerations. The first of them is that he should be a Muslim. And if he's not a Muslim, he's not considered Adam. Cannot accept hadith from him. Number two, Balil. Yani he should have reached the age of maturity. If he's a child who didn't reach the age of maturity, to distinguish between right and wrong, also we cannot accept his hadith as a child. Number three, he should be Aqil. Sane. If the person is insane, he, he is not considered Adam. We don't say he is trustworthy or of good character of the person whose hadith we can accept. And number four, not being fasiq, he should not be an immoral person or a sinner. Yani a person who commits major sins or a person who continues to commit minor sins. Yani regularly, consistently. This is a person that's called fasiq. Fasiq means a person who commits a major sin or continuously commits minor sins. So also this is a consideration in order for a person to be considered adult. And we said that the characteristics of the narrator are two, his character and his accuracy in reporting. Now we're talking about his character. He should be Muslim, of the age of maturity, sane, not immoral, not fasiq, nor makhroom al-maru'a. Makhroom al-maru'a. He shouldn't be makhroom al-maru'a. That means he shouldn't have blameworthy manners or behavior. And he shouldn't do, act in a way that is criticized in the society. Yani in the Muslim society, for example, in, most, in many of the Muslim societies, it is So this is makhroom al-maru'ah. It means the behavior that is blameworthy in the society. In order for a narrator to be accepted, he also has to fulfill this condition. That he should behave and act and have manners that are acceptable and uh, proper in the society in which he lives. And for this reason, some of the scholars of hadith rejected hadith from a person, for example, who stood in the street eating. Because standing eating is improper behavior. So they rejected the hadith because this is makhroom al-maru'ah. The behavior, the habits 
that are blameworthy in the society, the person shouldn't uh, engage in such things. So he shouldn't act in such a way. So all of these, these five points are the considerations for al-adala, or for a person to be adal. As for the second characteristic for the narrator, dabt, the one who is dabit, it means accurate or precise memory. And here what we mean by accurate or precise memory, dabt, it includes both those who memorize and retain what they have heard verbatim, exactly as they heard it, verbatim, until they report it to others just as they heard it. Accurate, precise memory, Dabit, the, the narrator who is Dabit, includes the one who memorizes it and retains it and reports it just as he heard it, as well it includes those who accurately write down what they have heard and protect their records from any distortion. Yani, also included amongst the Dabit reporter, the one who is of accurate memory, it also includes the one who didn't memorize it by his heart, but who wrote down what he heard and he protected his records from any distortion, addition or deletion until he narrates it from his book exactly as it was recorded. Both of these are accepted for the condition of Bab. The Babit's reporter is the one who memorizes by heart and the one who protects what he has written down. <coughs> Finally, the ruling concerning the Hadith Sahih, it is obligatory to act upon it according to the consensus of the scholars of hadith and all those whose word is counted from the scholars of usul and fiqh. It is a proof in the sharia and it is not permissible for anyone to leave off acting upon it. And a hadith is sahih, it is required for a Muslim to act upon it. Okay, any questions about Sahih? Any questions about Sahih? Now. This is another discussion altogether from amongst the factors that should be considered concerning the narrator. of his character. From amongst those factors that should be considered is if the person is from the Ahl Bidah. And the scholars have not agreed on whether or not the people of innovation should be rejected as narrators. But there is difference of opinion. Some of them said their narration should be rejected outright. And some said their narration should be accepted outright. And some said that there are some considerations that have to be examined. And perhaps the best of those opinions are those scholars who said that the Ahl Bid'ah, if they are not from those who call to their Bid'ah, who are not the leaders of that sect or that group calling to it, but they are the common people, and the hadith that they narrate is not in support of their deviation or their innovation or their madhab of innovation, if it is not in support of it and they are not of the leaders or the callers, to that bid'ah, then the hadith can be accepted. And even Imam Bukhari uh, and many of the other great scholars of hadith collected hadith which included in the chains of narration some of the people from the groups of deviation. 
but with the condition that they are not equivalent to their deviation and that what they narrate is not in support of their deviation and it's something that has nothing to do with their deviation but if for example a person who is a shi'i, rafidi narrates a hadith in support of the fadail of Ali or the Ahl Bayt or something like this then it wouldn't be accepted because this would be in support of his madhab so this is the general ruling concerning the narrations of the people of Bid'ah that it should be with this consideration otherwise the hadith can be accepted it shouldn't be rejected outright as long as the innovation is not the innovation of kufr as long as the innovation is not the innovation that takes them out of Islam remember we said that Bid'ah is of two types there is Bid'ah which, which is fisk immorality or sin and there is Bid'ah which is kufr as long as it's not kufr then the narrations can be accepted with these conditions now No. Also, the scholars differ concerning the acceptance of the hadith of a person who heard the hadith when they were a child. And perhaps the correct opinion is that if they heard it when they were a child, it can be accepted from them when they are an adult. As long as it's proven, Yani, that there's no indication that they have distorted the hadith because it has been reported through other chains and so on then it can be accepted from them as an adult yani the acceptability of the narration of a reporter it is rejected while they are a child we cannot accept hadith from them as a child but if when they grow up and reach adulthood they reported the hadith it can be accepted especially since the scholars in those days the people used to attend the circles of the scholars of hadith and many of them used to bring their children with them and if their children attended the circle and hadith was recorded and they were given a record like the other people of the hadith which were narrated by that shaykh then they also may report they may narrate those hadith later which are contained in their record of the hadith which were reported in the settings or in the sittings that they attended that is permissible when they adult according to the most correct opinion of the scholar permissible to accept the hadith now now is are there collections before Bukhari and Muslim? there are many collections before Bukhari and Muslim <laughs> the most authentic collection of hadith before Bukhari and Muslim was the Muwatta of Imam Malik the Muwatta of Imam Malik it was considered the most authentic book after the Quran before the time of Al-Bukhari but Al-Bukhari's book was more authentic than the because the Muwatta included hadith which are marfu'an attributed to the Prophet as well as mawquf sayings of Sahaba as well as maqtu' sayings of Tabi'een and uh, aqwal of the fuqaha sayings of the scholars of fiqh and so on but as for the marfu'an hadith which are attributed to the Prophet the overwhelming majority of them are sahih in any case Al-Bukhari's book is superior because it only contains narrations which are reported or which are attributed to the Prophet and of the highest degree of authenticity not only that but the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba it is also a great collection of hadith but it contains a, tribute, a hadith attributed to the Prophet sayings attributed to the Sahaba and so on but it is one of the most authentic books also and actually maybe about three-fourths of the hadith in the Sahih of Muslim 
came from the Musannaf Ibn Abi Shaiba. Since Ibn Abi Shaiba, he was the Shaykh of Muslim. And the majority of the Hadith and the Sahih of Muslim were narrated directly from Ibn Abi Shaiba. So there were many collections before. Even in time of Sahaba, there were collections of Hadith that were written in time of Sahaba, in uh, time of Tabi'een, and so on, until yani, the famous collections in the time of Al-Bukhari and so on. When it was started, what? When were they started? It, it was started in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Hadith were collected and written in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. This one is my original. You didn't get one of it? Okay. And in some of, although there is difference of opinion about this, the correct opinion is that Hadith were written in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, although in the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ, discourage the writing of hadith, as some of the scholars say, in order not to mix up the writing of hadith with the writing of Qur'an. But in any case, there are many records and proofs that hadith were recorded in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, and there are a number of Sahaba, so many of them, who had written collections of hadith, and some of them who memorized the hadith by heart, even if they didn't write them. But the broad collection of hadith took place probably in the time of Az-Zuhri, Muhammad ibn Shihab Az-Zuhri, rahimahullah, the great scholar of Tabi'in. Uh, in his time, uh, he died in the year 110. In his lifetime, the collection of hadith systematically began. And then later, uh, collections began such as the Musnad collection, where the people collected all the hadith of a particular Sahabi in a chapter. Uh, and the Musannaf time when the people started collecting the hadith according to topics or categories of fiqh, hadith of tahara, salat, and so on, like this. And then the time of Al Bukhari and so on. Subhanakallahumma, wa bihamdika, ashadwan la ilaha ila anta, astagfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Inshallah.